Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. morning and hope and pray you've had a wonderful week and and uh, boy I am so excited about the next uh, couple of weeks and I've been looking every day when I drive by that property for a dozer and uh, it's coming soon all right and I can't wait for that day to see some trees start falling and some ground some dirt and see something start to happen there and and a part of the dream of Victory Church coming to fruition and uh, seeing what God has, has uh, in store for us. And I'm really excited about that day. So you keep praying. Uh, we, will, uh, we will be having a time when we have a uh, groundbreaking ceremony. And I'll get that out to you by email or announcement. And we'll let you know uh, when we're going to be having a, a service out there on Sunday morning, actually. Uh, and we'll go out there and have a little time together and uh, be um, just kind of just ask the Lord to bless that whole property as we start the building of our, pro our project out there. So we're real excited about that. Good to see you all here today and welcome some of our guests who are with us. We're honored that you've chosen to come and worship us here with us here at Victory and hope and pray you just enjoy the presence of the Lord and that you allow God to really just speak to your heart and soul this morning. After all, it's all about Him. It's not about us. Amen. Uh, we're just here to worship Him. Let me just say one thing. Uh, please take out your sermon notes, if you will, please. And at the top, this is a uh, a little twist, a little new part of our ministry that we've just incorporated. If you have a question or a thought as we, uh, as we preach and, and share some scripture and on the topic today is going to be on God's healing grace as we start unpacking some of that topic today. If you have a question, a lot of times, I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I'm listening to someone speak or preach or a lesson or I'm studying the scripture, it just, just creates some questions or some thoughts um, right there in the moment. Well, I want to give you a chance to, to shoot those questions in. You know, a lot of times we don't have that opportunity. Uh, so if you have a phone, if you text, uh, I, I encourage you during the message today while we are working through this sermon, if there's, uh, I don't know, you just, there, there's a thought that comes to your mind or there's a question about a particular passage of Scripture, I want to give you the opportunity to text in that question. You can text it in to 314-200-JOHN1, J-O-N-1, or 5661. Uh, just text your question in. Now, let me put out a disclaimer. I don't have all the answers, okay? I don't have all the answers. And if you ask a question and I don't have a clue how to answer it, I'll tell you, I don't have a clue how to, how to answer that question. But I'll make this covenant agreement with you. I'll partner with you to try to discover the answer to that question. And it may cause me to dig a little bit more, do a little more research to find that answer, but together uh, we will come up with an answer from the Word of God, and hopefully and prayerfully that will help us to grow more and more in our faith, okay? So um, feel free to text. Now be sure you're texting questions. Don't sit there and be texting uh, to a friend that's out somewhere else. Um, you know, kind of stay engaged here. Uh, but, you know, that's the culture we live in. I don't know about you, but I do a tr my whole family. 
we do a tremendous amount of texting. Uh, that seems to be the, the number one way that we stay connected. Hey, what's going on? What are you doing? How, how's things going? Blah, 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 blah. You know, and, and uh, it's just kind of the world we live in today. So we, wanna, we, don't, we want to realize that we all live in this world of technology and it's part of who we are and what we do and it's part of our DNA. And we just want to accept that into the church world and realize there's a place to use that for ministry. And uh, so if you have a question you want to text, you text it in. Uh, it'll come straight to my phone. And uh, at the end of the service, I will pull up some of the questions, if there are any, and uh, we'll unpack some of those and try to dig a little bit deeper. Now, last week, I had this up here, and text and questions were coming in, and I've got it on vibrate, but it's sitting up there, and it goes, you know, so I'm going to have my wife hold that, and uh, you let me know um, if there's any questions at the end of the service, okay? Take out your Bibles, if you will, please. I want you to turn to Psalm 147, Psalm 147. The 147th Psalm. I'd like for you to look, if you will, at verse number 3. Psalm 147 and verse number 3. And really just the first part of that verse, or actually the whole verse, but the first part of it is really what I want to stop and unpack on, on this thought. Look what it says in Psalm 147 in verse number 3. It says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Aren't you glad of that? Aren't you glad that we serve a, a God that is sovereign, that is omnipotent, that is omniscient, that's able to reach down and heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds? Now, there's something I have discovered in 20-plus years of ministry. I've been in this thing long enough to know that behind every face, there's a heartache. I've been in ministry long enough to know that nobody gets to sail through life without any storms. Amen? We all face hard times in life. We all get to a place where we are hurting in one way or another. I do a tremendous amount of counseling, and I was just counseling with an individual this week. Hey, here, here's the good news. At the conclusion of our counseling, you know, you know, it all comes back to the gospel. I mean, every problem that's out there, it all comes back to the gospel. Um, Kristen uh, was reading a book this week, and she shared with us in the car that uh, in the book it said on that people put bumper stickers on their car, and it says, Christ is the answer. And in the book, they said, well, what's the question? Well, the question can be anything. I mean, it doesn't matter what the question is. Jesus is the answer. Hello? And the cool thing about it, in my counseling session this week with this one individual, after we unpacked a lot of his issues and problems, and, and man, he was just weeping and he was crying. He was really just broken. At the end of that, I was able to share the gospel with him, and he accepted Christ as his Savior. And that is the starting point for the healing process to take place. And Psalm 147 says that he heals the brokenhearted. By the way, did you just hear what I said? Someone just accepted Christ this week as their personal Lord and Savior. Amen. We ought to rejoice over that. Uh, and I know we got all excited about college football and all these other things. By the way, I did my redneck thing yesterday, and I went to the NASCAR race over at Gateway. Man, I love NASCAR. And I got over there, and, and uh, that was one of the coolest things. And we were able to get right down by the track, and, and I took Kristen down there, and they're running 180 miles an hour down the straightaway, and about 35 of these cars, you know, coming by. And we're standing there right by the fence. I mean, they are right there about where that monitor is, and, and we're right here. 
here and we could just feel the air coming by and man, what a rush. What a rush. And I was videoing Kristen right there and her hair flying everywhere and, and the cars coming by. And I said, let me do it. You video me. So then I got there by the fence. I mean, I had to get my redneck thing out of me, you know. I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, we go to those events and, and uh, you know, and as, as we were watching uh, uh, Carl Edwards and Brad Kozlowski and Justin Allgaier and those, any NASCAR fans here in the bunch? Maybe a couple uh, maybe there's some of you others that love NASCAR, but you won't admit it. You're, you know, you're afraid to kind of be identified with that group. But anyhow, we're sitting there, and, and Carl is fixing to pass those guys, and we're, woo! You know, we're yelling and carrying on in the stands, and go, 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 go! And you know what I just shared with you? That someone accepted Christ, right? You know what we should be doing? Woo! Yeah! Go, 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 go! Just like we would at a NASCAR race, and or at a ball game, or when they hit a home run. Or I heard Mr. Lauderdale got excited yesterday. His Giants made it into the World Series. Congratulations, Mr. Lauderdale Jr. Give him a hand. He, he pulled, I tell you, he is a diehard fan. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, when they made it to the World Series, there was some excitement in that house, was there not? Yeah, sure there is. Nothing wrong with those extra sports and activities and things we get excited about. But let's kind of keep things in perspective. Okay? Let's kind of keep them all in perspective. And I just shared with you that someone came to know Jesus as their Savior. And guys, listen, that in the end, at the end of the day is all that really matters. Amen? That is the greatest thing that could ever, ever happen. And, and so we're real excited about that. But I do know that, listen, as we go through life, we all, every single one of us, we have hardships, we have trials. There's no one individual that will sail through life with just an ease. We all have problems. We all have hurts. We all have, get this, hidden wounds. Every single one of us have something within our spirit and our soul and our heart that has hurt us through the years. And here's what I've discovered. Many times we as individuals, we will suppress those things. We will lock them away into the closet of the emotional soul and we'll just, almost the best way to deal with it is to reject ever realizing it's there. Well, I want you to know there's a better way of dealing with some of those hurts and some of those heartaches and some of those pains. And that's when we open that door, we allow those emotions to come out, those feelings to come out, that hurt to come out, and we let the Lord Jesus Christ deal with those because we have a promise in Psalm 147 and verse 3. It says, He heals the brokenhearted. He brings healing to our spirit. He brings healing to our soul. He brings healing to our hurts. Aren't you glad of that? There's a God that loves us and heals us. You know what? We may think, you know what, preacher, that's great. I'm glad we have a God that heals. That's great news. I love that verse. It's wonderful. But that's not enough. I need to know how He heals. How does God heal the broken hearted? How does He heal the hidden wounds in our spirit and in our heart, in our soul, in our life. He does it by, I think, primarily a couple ways, but primarily he does it by changing the way that we think. Get this now. Changing the way that we think. In other words, God wants to get so in our hearts that it changes our mind about how we look at some things in life. You see, by changing how we see God, by changing how we see pain, and particularly changing how we see ourselves, that's how God brings healing to the heart, to the brokenhearted, and healing to those hidden wounds that are in our heart and in our life. 
In Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1, I think I have the scripture for you on the screen. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, the scripture says, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable or pleasing to God. And this is your spiritual worship. But listen, listen to verse 2. Do not be conformed to this age, but what? Be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. You see, there needs to be a renewal process taking place in our minds. We need church to start changing the way that we think about some of the hurts and the heartaches and the brokenness and the wounds, the emotional wounds that we have all had in the past. We need to change up how we think about some of those things. I love the scripture in Proverbs 23 and verse number 7. It says, for as he thinks within himself, so is he. Wow. Do you realize that you are what you think you are? That's what that verse is saying. For as he thinks within himself, so is he. Hello? Now, guys, listen, is that, is that the Word of God or not? Yes, it is. And you know what the final authority in all of life is? It's the Word of God. This is the inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God. We can take it to the bank. We can tr put our trust in it. We can put all of our hope in the Word of God. It is unchangeable. It will last forever. And the Word of God just simply says, as he thinks within himself, so is he. Here's my point. If you see yourself or think of yourself as a loser, you know what you're going to tend to live? You're going to live the life of a loser. Because as you think... Now listen, I'm not a huge Norman Vincent Peale fan. I know you may be going there a little bit in your mind. Is he going there? No, I think they take that a little bit to the, to the extreme. But I do believe that we as believers must change the way that we think. And how do we change the way that we think? We change the way that we think by what we put into our mind, by what we watch with our eyes, by what we listen to with our ears. Whatever comes in is eventually going to settle in our mind and our heart, and it's going to determine how we think about ourselves, according to Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 7. Are you guys with me this morning? Are you with me? We're going somewhere with all of this. As he thinks within himself, so is he. If you think that you're a loser, you're going to tend to be a loser in life. If you think or you see yourself as a victim, here's what I see a lot of time in counseling. If you see yourself as a victim, then you're going to always see yourself as an individual that is being victimized. Hello? Woe is me. Everybody's picking on me. I'm the victim. Everybody's always attacking me. We need to change up a little bit the way that we think. You see, if we see ourselves as a failure, then you're going to tend to reinforce what you feel about yourself, and you're simply going to see yourself failing at everything that you attempt to do. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you something, church. If you can get a hold of this message today, it can change your life completely. And there's some of you I know I've done some individual counseling with many of you. I've done counseling with a lot of other folks. And I know that somehow, some way, whatever happens in our life, it incarcerates us and it brings us captive into our soul. And we have a hard time ever getting through that stuff. If you can get a hold of this message today, 
It is so liberating once we start to discover what the grace of our God is all about. Last week I preached about God's saving grace. Today I want to speak to you on the subject of God's healing grace. He brings healing to the brokenhearted. You see what the Bible teaches? There's a principle all through the Word of God that the Bible teaches. It teaches that our beliefs determines our behavior. What we believe about something will determine how we behave about that something. Well, let's take some biblical examples. Let's think about Abraham. Abraham was a great man of faith. And the scripture tells us in the book of Genesis that Abraham left the Ur of the Chaldees and he followed after God to a land that he did not know. Now, how did he behave? He behaved how? By following God by faith. Why did he behave like that? Because he believed in God. Hello? His, what he believed determined, was determined by how he was behaving. Or his behavior was determined by what he believed. Think about Noah, if you will. I mean, here, here God comes to Noah. And he says, Noah, I want you to build an ark. It's going to rain. There's going to be a devastating worldwide flood. I'm going to destroy it all. You've got to remember, at that day and time, there had never been rain from heaven. At that day and time, there had never been anything known as a flood. As a matter of fact, Noah's out in the middle of the desert, and God says, build an ark, and here's how I want you to build it. Here's how big I want you to build it. And I want all the animals, two by two, to come in. I'll give you all the marching orders, but here's what I want you to do. What did Moses or, or Noah do? He immediately started what? Building what? An ark. Why? Because he believed in God, and his belief in God came out in his behavior. Oh, you can go all through the Bible, and you can see this principle over and over and over again. And it teaches that what our beliefs determines our behavior. You look at Moses, you look at Joshua, you look at David, you go all the way through the New Testament, you look at Paul, and you look at everybody. You'll, you'll discover that what they believe in their heart was manifested in their behavior. What do we need to do, church? I think a lot of times we need to change the way that we think. The way that we think determines the way that we act. Now here's where the problem comes. The problem is that some of your beliefs are false. The problem is that some of your beliefs are wrong. The problem is that some of your beliefs are mistaken. You see, you picked up all kinds of beliefs as you were growing up. Hello? I mean, you, you picked up all types of beliefs as you were growing up. A lot of them had no, nothing to do with the Bible, but it's what you were being told about yourself, and therefore you believe it. By the way, I don't know about you. I remember years ago when I was a kid, we used to go down to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And I'm from North Carolina, and we would go down to Myrtle Beach, and there was one part of the, of the trip that I really enjoyed. Once we got there, we went uptown to the pavilion. And in the pavilion, you would go, and they had all these, these curved mirrors in there, and you would stand in front of these mirrors, and it would completely distort the image. And you may look three feet tall and five feet thick, or, or you may look eight feet tall and a foot thick and make you real skinny or real fat or, or real like a little midget or real long legs and a short little trunk. Anybody, anybody ever stood in front of those mirrors like that? And it's kind of funny to look at them. Man, look at me. Now, that's not really me, but that's what I think I'm looking like when I'm standing in front of that mirror. You know what happens as we grow up? There are adults that speak into your life as a child, 
and they become those distorted mirrors. Because I have heard individuals, I've even heard parents say this about their children, they'll never amount to anything. Well, you can't, you're, you're good for nothing. You're never going to be a success in life. You're a complete failure. Why don't you ever grow up? You know, you hear all this stuff as a child. Is anybody with me this morning? I'm just exposing some of the things that I get the privilege of listening to across my desk when folks come in and share some of the things that they were told when they were growing up. And it's no wonder. You see, they let the words that have been spoken to them by parents or by adults distort their image of who they are and they believe now that they'll never amount to anything. They believe now that they're, they're, they're good for nothing. They believe now that they cannot be a success at anything. Well, today I want to show you or try to help you to get your arms around what God has to say about you. I want you to see what God says about you and what He thinks about you. I want to share with you five things about what God thinks about you all because of His grace. Okay? We're talking about God's healing grace. Jot down these five things. I'm going to give you some homework as soon as I finish this concerning these five things. So be sure you write them down because you're going to need it for your homework assignment. Amen? It's going to help you. All right? Here we go. The first thing I want you to jot down. Because of God's grace, the Bible says that I am acceptable. Write down the word acceptable. You see, most of us spend our lives trying our very best to be accepted by other people. Whether it be our parents, whether it be our peers, whether it be our enemies, or whether it be total strangers, we are so concerned about being accepted by other people, by someone else. You see, most of us, we don't even realize that this drive for acceptance is behind many of the things that we do in life. You see, it, it, it even influences the way we dress. It influences the kind of house that we buy. It influences the kind of car or vehicles that we own. I mean, people, sometimes we just do crazy things. As a matter of fact, you've heard uh, Dave Ram Ramsey may make the statement that we buy, things that we, don't ha we buy things that we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. What drives that? It's that desire to be accepted by our peers or by our parents or by our enemies or by total strangers. You remember, guys, when you were a kid, you remember the old game Truth or Dare? You guys remember that? I want you to think as a kid. Anybody ever play, am I the only one that's ever played that? Anybody ever played that game when you were a child? Hopefully you were a child. Hopefully you quit playing that stupid game. But I remember when I was young, I used to play that game, and they would give me some stupid, ridiculous dare, and I was the kind of guy, man, I'm just going to do it. And I would just go do the stupid, ridiculous dare. And I didn't know it at the time, but as I've grown a little older, lost a little more hair, got a little bit wiser. Matter of fact, I tried to grow me out one of those goatees here a while back. I remember for last Sunday I had one, and I got to looking in the mirror, and I said, that is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. I mean, it was just ugly. It's white and gray and black, and it's just a nasty mess. But there was some gray there. And you know what they say about gray? That's a sign of wisdom. So I was kind of proud that I had a little bit of gray there. I've gotten a little bit wiser. But I, I, I'm, I'm, listen, let me put out a disclaimer. I'm not saying if you have a goatee, that's an ugly thing, okay? It looks good on some guys, okay? I didn't mean to offend anybody there if I did. I, I wasn't my intent. Some of you guys look great with it. I just look, it just looked ridiculous on me. So I just had to shave mine off, okay? 
But here's what I've discovered as you get a little bit wiser. That little stupid game, truth or dare, and as you would do some of those dares, boy, I realized, you know, at the, at the core of that, you know all I was trying to do was to get my friends around me to accept me, just to be liked by them. I, I just want you to know something, guys. That issue's already been settled when you receive God's grace. You are accepted. Look what the Scripture says in Romans chapter 15 and verse number 7. It says, therefore, accept one another just as the Messiah also what? Accepted you to the glory of God. Guys, I'm here to tell you today, you could quit trying to be accepted out there in the world today or anywhere else. God has already accepted you. If you've trusted in His Son as your personal Lord and Savior, His grace has been given to you and you were already accepted in the Beloved, the Word of God teaches us. Amen? Now I want you to notice that it does not say that Christ will accept you if Notice there's no condition here. Notice this is an unconditional acceptance. It does not say that Christ will accept you if you promise to be perfect. It does not say that Christ will accept you if you promise to obey the Ten Commandments. It does not say that God will accept you if you promise to pay your tithe. It does not say that God will accept you if you are baptized or God will accept you if you come to church or God will accept you if you are involved in a ministry. Friends, listen, I'm here to tell you that once you receive the grace of God through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, He says that you now are already accepted in Him. Amen? You've got to understand that our acceptance is based upon God's grace and not our performance. I've said it many times and I'll say it again and I'll say it many more times. There is nothing that you will ever do in life that will cause God to love you anymore, nor is there anything else you will do in life that will cause God to love you any less. Amen? He loves you. He showed His love for you when He gave His Son on the cross. You are accepted once you receive His Son Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I love 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Get this, a people of what? His what? Say it. Possession. We are a people of His possession. Listen, I can quit worrying about trying to be accepted by my peers or by my parents or by my enemies or by those that I envy or those groups that I want to get involved in. I don't care anymore. Listen, I've been accepted in Christ Jesus. And one of the great things that we have, listen, I don't care what your parents may have told you growing up, and I don't care what mirror of distortion that you may have received into your life as the gospel truth, it does not matter. Once you come to know Christ as your Savior, you, my friend, are accepted. That almost is enough to make an Episcopalian shout just a little bit. Hello? So quit trying to live your life in a way that people will accept you. You've been accepted by the creator of the universe. You've been accepted by God Almighty. Amen? <laughs> I know sometimes growing up, for many of you possibly, your parents may have never been pleased with you. 
And I've counseled with some parents that expect this level of, per, of, of perfection out of their children at times. And I'll try, to, I'll try to get them to see, don't you realize the devastating effects that you're having on your children when you have such a high standard and they can never meet that standard? I mean, if you get C's, they want B's. If you get B's, they want A's. If you get A's, they want straight A's. If you get straight A's, they want extracurricular activities. I mean, where, when is good enough ever good enough? And the unfortunate thing is we bring that mentality into our spiritual life and we accept Christ as our Savior and we're working to get, get better and better and do more and do more. Listen, you can't work your way into heaven. You can't work your way into, into being accepted by God. It's a free gift from God. It's called grace. Well, that's just one point of five, and that was probably good enough to liberate most of you. Hello? We are, my friends, accepted. Regardless of whether we ever received our parents' approval or not, we've been accepted. Now, we are trying to build a D6 church. We're trying to build D6 homes, and we're trying to, 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 to uh, put emphasis on the importance of, of parental blessings on children, and, and we're trying to show you a little bit of what the Bible teaches about the blessing, and, and those are wonderful things. But let me tell you something, guys. Life can go on without ever receiving your parents' blessings. Why? Because there's a God in heaven that loves you, and you are accepted in Him. Listen to what Proverbs 27.10 says, Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord cares for me. Let that sink in. Even if I never receive parental blessing or favor, the Bible says there's a God in heaven that cares for you. I love that verse in the Amplified Version. It says, although my father and my mother have forsaken me, yet the Lord will take me up and adopt me as his child. Man, I like that. We are accepted. No, I can't. I spent way too long on it. I got five of these things to get through. I, I got to hurry. I probably I'll make this a five-series sermon or something. I don't know. But number two, jot this one down. Because of God's grace, the Bible says that I am valuable. That I am valuable. Because of His grace, I am valuable. I am worth something. Let me ask you a question. How much do you think you're worth? Oh, I, I can see you now. You're already crunching the numbers. Okay, I make this, I make that. I've got this in savings. I've got this in an IRA. And I've got this in mutual funds. And I've got this over here in my money market. And I've got this in my checking account. And I've got this in my savings account. And, and I've got this much equity in my home, home. And I own this material over here. And I've got this car over here that's clear out in my name. And I said, all, I'm not talking about your net worth. Hello? I'm talking about your self-worth. How much do you think you are Worth. You see, there's a difference between your value and your valuables. I'm not talking, there's no relation whatsoever with your value and your valuables. But in our society today, we put all, we put all the emphasis on the valuables. You see, it's that socioeconomic status that people today are bankrupting their homes trying to get into. Who cares? You're worth an extreme, great, large amount. You are valuable in the sight of God regardless of whether you have any possessions or not. I'm talking about your value, not your, self, or not your net worth, but your self-worth. 
How much are you worth? How much value do you have? Well, I believe in order to judge the value of a person, we're going to use that to judge anything that we would judge a value. And there's two things that we look at whenever we judge the value of something. The first thing we look at is who owns it. The second thing we look at, what is someone willing to pay for it? Now, the first thing we look at whenever we talk about who owns it, we got to understand that the ownership determines the value of something. Hello? How many's ever gone down to Memphis and toured Elvis Presley's estate? How many's ever seen his Cadillac and his airplane and his house and all these other things? His guitars. I mean, those things are, are worth a lot of money simply because Elvis Presley played it or wrote in it or lived in it or did something with it. Right? Because he owned it. I mean, you, you think about a, a... Now, anybody else can own a pink Cadillac and it's worth nothing today. But you let Elvis Presley own it and it's worth a great, a great amount of money. Everybody else may have the very same identical guitar that he has, but you're just a common person. But if a celebrity, someone like Elvis Presley, played with that guitar, now it becomes of greater value. So value, a lot of times, is determined by who owns it. Well, who owns us? Wow, here we go. Who owns us as a child of God? In 1 John 4 and 4, the Bible says, Little children, you are of God. What? You belong to Him. Amen? We are His. We are of great value because of who owns us. We are of great value because whose possession we are. We are children of the Most High God. The Bible says that we are His. That brings tremendous value to our hearts and to our lives once we get an understanding of who owns us. But the second thing I want you to look at, you know, something, you, if, if you're trying to just determine the value of something, it's only worth what somebody will pay for it. And I guess many people are discovering that in this hard economical time with the housing market and, and, and all of that just plummeting. You see, you may have purchased your home for $250,000. You may have purchased it for $300,000. I don't know what the rate was you purchased your home for but you know what? It really doesn't matter. You see, just because you purchased it for $300,000 doesn't mean it's worth $300,000. It's only worth what somebody, come on, stay with me. It's only worth what somebody will what? Pay for it. Now, if they'll only give you $200,000, you only have a $200,000 home. I don't care how much you paid for it. I know I said I was going to try to encourage you a little bit here this morning. Sometimes that does get discouraging when you look at, oh my goodness, what in the world has happened? It's only worth what somebody pay for it. Well, let me ask you about your life. How much has been paid for you? Listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23. It says that you were bought at a price. Someone paid an extreme price for you. Not only does he own us, but he has purchased us. In the Amplified, 1 Corinthians 7, 23 says this, You are bought with a price, you are purchased with a preciousness, and paid for by Christ. Hello? Whose are we? Answer my question, whose are we? We're God's. Who paid for us? Christ. He gave His life on the cross for us. You see, friends, that in and of itself makes us of extreme value regardless what you have in your checking account or what you have in your savings account. We must, church, change the way we think. We let the world dictate to us how valuable we are based on our social economic status. Who cares about that? 
And unfortunately, we let that mentality creep into our lives where we only want to rub shoulders with those of equal or greater worldly value than us. Shame on us. Hello? Shame on us if we had that mentality. Where our church property is located, directly across from our church property is a trailer court. Now in that trailer court, there are some that are very down and out financially. But you know something? Jesus loves them just the same. And I personally have been through that trailer court three different occasions, knocking every door in that trailer. Now, some of them you got to watch. There's a big pit bull tied up on some of those porches, and sometimes it gets tough. But I've been on every door in that trailer park, knocking those doors, trying to minister to those people. You know what? When we plant our church right across from that trailer court, mission field number one is that trailer court. You say, well, how much tithe and offering do you think they could bring into your church? Who cares? That's not what it's about. They are valuable. Why? Because Jesus died for them just like he died for some of those individuals that live in these million-dollar homes around the O'Fallon area. We got to change. Yeah, I think you should clap right there. We got to change the way we think. And you know what? I got three more points, and I'm not going to rush through them. I'm going to stop, and I'm going to unpack those other three next Sunday. But here's what I want you to understand The Bible says in Psalm 147.3 that our God heals the brokenhearted. Aren't you glad of that? How does he do that? He does that by changing the way that we think about ourselves. We are accepted in him. And we are of great value in him. Amen? I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed... I want you to come back next Sunday for part B of this message. But I wonder, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, maybe you've been here this morning and maybe for some reason you've accepted this distorted image of who you are and what you are. Maybe you've allowed the thinking of the world to distort who you are as a person. Let me tell you this, guys. God loves you. And the moment that you accept His Son, Jesus Christ, then you start receiving the grace of God. And in that grace is not only saving grace, but also healing grace. And I want you to understand that you are accepted in him you're accepted in him when you come to know his son as your savior not only are you acceptable but you are valuable how much are you worth you're worth God sending his only son to a sinless to a sinful world and dying on the cross and all the sins of the world being placed on his sinless son and Jesus said I love you all so much that I'm willing to die for you so you could be accepted in the beloved
And so you would know how much you're worth and what your value is. If you can think about a visual, how much does Jesus love us? He loves us this much. As far as he can stretch his hands out on the cross, he's saying, that's how much I love you. What a love. What value we have. How accepted we are. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior. My prayer is this morning that today you'd realize that He loves you. And that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. That He was buried and He rose again the third day. And right now He's ascended up to be with the Father. And there He's making intercession for you and for me. And all you got to do is cry out to God and say, God, I've been struggling to find acceptance throughout this world. I've let peer pressure... I've let parental influences, I've let my peers influence me to try to do a lot of things so that I could be accepted. And right now, God, I just want to accept your son into my life. And then I can know that I'm accepted by you. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, my plea with you today when we sing this song of invitation is for you just to come forward and let me talk with you and pray with you share Christ with you and you ask him into your heart also let me say this if you're struggling with a broken heart I just want you to know there's a church family called Victory that loves you we're here for you we care for you if you're not a member of a church I invite you to come and check out Victory Church get involved in our church fellowship we would love to partner with you share life with you Maybe some just need to rededicate their life to Christ. Maybe just some just need to come and pray. And I realize in our setup and where we are, we don't have the best of altars and we don't have the best of places to pray. But you know what? I was counseling with a guy in Iraq last night that's in the army. And I had about a 30-minute counseling session with him on Facebook chatting back and forth. And he said, Preacher, I remember years ago when I heard you preach when I was a 14-year-old boy. He said, you told me that anywhere that I kneel and pray, that becomes holy ground. I don't have to be in church. And he said, right now I'm in my barracks in Iraq. And he said, I'm praying. He says, is this holy ground? I said, yes, sir. That's holy ground. Right where you are right now. And I realize, guys, we're in a school gym. But you know know what? Anywhere we kneel and pray, that ground becomes holy ground. So I don't know what your needs are this morning and I don't know what you may be struggling with but I want you to know there's a God in heaven that loves you there's a church that cares for you there's a pastor that wants to help you and minister to you and whatever your need is this morning I just invite you to come Father I give this time of invitation over to you God I don't know what the needs are in people's lives this morning but Father you do and I just pray that your will will be done I pray, God, that you would speak to hearts this morning. And, Father, I pray that you would draw people to yourself. Whatever the need is today, Lord, I just pray that people would bring that need to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. 
We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois. 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.